I trust that you enjoy your meeting with us. Um, I'm, so, I'm so impressed by the turnout, the people that come when it was so cold. I was thinking of not coming. I was thinking I'll give Donnie a shout and he can, he can preach this morning and I'll come the second one. But uh, it's wonderful to see all of you, even if it's just above your mask. But I can see if you're smiling or not. Depends on if you look like a Chinese or not. Okay. This, this week, just as I was preparing, I felt God put this sentence in my head. It's not what we know, but it's who we know. It's not what we say, but it's how we live. It's not what we know, but it is who we know. It is not what we say, but it is how we live. And now, if you didn't have masks on and you were allowed to, I'd let you repeat it after me. Hey, we had a wonderful time on Thursday night. We went to Yohandri um, and Anita's house, and Lodi got baptized in the bath. Nice warm water, best baptism I think I've ever witnessed. There was no shivering, there was no shaking, and it was wonderful. Because normally people, when they get baptized in winter, they come out, <laughs> what are you doing in tongues? The Holy Spirit come on you. <laughs> so it's not what we know, but it's who we know. It's not what we say, but it's how we live. And the emphasis is not what we know, it is who we know. It's not what we say, but it's how we live. And so uh, we need to live out uh, what he says are important rocks in our life. Have you heard that saying, rocks in your life? When, when I was still working at Sapi, what, what the one guy did once as an illustration was he got a bucket and he filled it up with quite big rocks until it was full. And he said, those are important rocks in your life. Can you get more in? So all the guys were looking and saying, no. He said, well, you need to make sure that the important rocks are in your life before you put in the small rocks. And then he filled it up with sand and filled up the rest of the bucket. And he got quite a lot of sand in there. But we need to get those big rocks in our life first. And one of them is a sure foundation. I really felt God share something with me this week that I've never seen before. And so I'm excited to share it with you guys today. So I'm going to be looking at Matthew 16, verses 13 to 18. But I'm not going to, it's up there, but I'm not going to read it. I'm going to just go through it and say the things that, that I felt. So Jesus is with his disciples and he says in the, in the region of Caesarea, Philippi, and he asks his disciples, who do you say what the Son of Man is? Who do you say? Because they knew him as the Son of Man. Who do you say the Son of Man is? So they all start. Uh, and, and I've seen this. When, when you go to a questions and answer thing, when you, you ask a question, everyone wants to give their answer. Because their answer is right and no one else is right. 
And so they want to say it before anyone else says it. And if you don't do that, I do that. And often I get it wrong. So he says to them, who do you people, who do people say the son of man is? So they reply, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Something you must learn in the, in the Bible is when you see a name, somebody's name, go and check out what it means. Or a place, go and check out what that place, what that, that name means. Because the, the, the Jews always have a meaning for their name or their place. It's never just by chance. It's, it's what they do. And so <clears throat> he says, and so he's saying then everyone's carrying on what they are saying. And he says to them, but who do you say I am? Brings it right here, close. And I can imagine some of them trying to, because they've already shouted out who they think it is, and now they, they're being asked again, who do you think it is? And so they're ducking. And right in the middle of this, he turns to Peter and he says to him, or Simon at that time, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replies to him, blessed are you, Simon's son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Now check out this. First of all, he says, blessed are you, Simon. Then he says, I tell you that you are Peter. Why has he got this play on names here? You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So the disciples had given everybody else's ideas, but none of them had their own ideas. So often we see that. That's why we've got to copyright things and we've got to make uh, ways to stop people from copying. And so they've given everyone else's uh, thing. And if you look there, John, the, the name John means gracious giver. Gracious giver. The word Elijah means my God is Jehovah. My God is Jehovah. We know that he performed many miracles. Then Jeremiah whom God has appointed. So if you look at those, and I ask you, which of those is appropriate for Jesus, what would you say? You can't say anything, you're master. So you're lucky. All three of them. Jesus could be all three of those. He's a gracious giver, he gave his life. His father is Jehovah, my God is Jehovah. And God appointed for him to come down and to be among us. All three of those. But that wasn't what he is interested in. He was interested when he said to Peter, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Because you know what? Jesus is actually not interested in what people have spoken Numerous people, what they'd speculated, what they'd said. He, he actually is not caught up in that. He doesn't see that as important. He sees what Peter says as important because he's teaching them. I can just imagine the silence. 
because they weren't sure of who Jesus was. Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who do you think he is? Sometimes when somebody says something that you don't like, you'll say to someone, who does he think he is? These guys had been around with Jesus for quite a while, but they were still not convinced that he was the son of God. So I can imagine them. Hey, who do you think he is? But Peter can't hold it back. He can't hold it back, and he just lets it out. So Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Guys, I want to tell you, this is a real story. No preacher, no tape, no DVD, no anything outside of Jesus Christ can give you revelation. I can't give you revelation. I, I can maybe just rub this side of the rock so that you see, wow, look at that. I can just spark something in your mind, but I, I can't say, oh, I gave Tian a revelation this morning. No, I can't. It's, it says here, Jesus says, only my Father in heaven, only my Father in heaven can reveal these things to you. So if you're sitting there and you, you're not sure what is going on or who has spoken to you or whatever the case is, it's because you haven't spent time with the Father. These guys were fortunate. They were, they were, walking, around, they were walking around with Jesus. So even though they didn't know it, the Father was close all the time. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Sometimes when I'm sitting, I'm reading a book, I'm listening to some music, whatever it, whatever it is, and then God reveals something to me. It's just, it's amazing. God just says, what about this? Or do it like this, or... How can you do this better? Or I'll show you, just watch me, follow. I've always said to be a great leader, you need to be a great follower. At the very best, you've got to follow Jesus Christ. So what Jesus is saying to Peter as well is the knowledge that you just got is not from the same place that the other guys got it. They got theirs from what is out there. Coronavirus is going to kill us if we're not careful. Yes, it might kill you. But you know what? I, I was so encouraged this morning because all I've been hearing is the Western Cape is the worst. It's the, it's the whatever. But this morning, the Western Cape's active cases per day have dropped way below Gauteng and Eastern Cape. It's just gone like this. I think when people get desperate, they begin to pray, and God begins to hear their prayers. I really do believe that. And I don't normally look at the news before I come on a Sunday. But I was amazed. I thought, Lord, you are so wonderful. Not, not at the expense of the other provinces, but we're praying, we're trusting you, we, we're looking to you. And I know that as a, as a church, Joshua generation, the guys are praying, man. 
They're trusting God for a solution. So we need to get our information from the same source. So it's not from reading books, listening to preachers, watching preachers, <clears throat> that we find out what we know. It's, you can't, yes, you can do all those things, and it's important to do those things because you need to resource yourself. But even while you are resourcing yourself, you need to be looking for that voice that will pop up in the middle of all of that and say, this is, this is your father. This is your father. It's amazing when, when I was a young guy, I used to play uh, football. And then eventually I played professional football. Um, I, got a, I got an invite to go overseas to do, they, they have, um, what do you call them, apprenticeships at the clubs. The club that invited me was Nottingham Forest. And so I, 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 was, I, was, I wasn't 16 yet, because when you hit 16, you're too old, they don't take you in. And, but I was terrified of going. Imagine going over there as a 16-year-old. You don't know anyone. I didn't have any family or anyone that I knew over there. But the reason I'm telling you this story is my dad, my dad loved football. And so he would come and watch almost every game that I played. But sometimes he would come late. And when he arrived there, he had a whistle that he used to whistle. And I would know, my dad is here. <laughs> yep. Their dad has taught them as well. I remember it was before cell phones when we got married. This week, on Thursday, we've been married 37 years. And we used to go shopping. I remember the first time we went shopping. This is a bit of a squirrel, but you'll enjoy it. I used to go shopping, and when we were in the supermarket and I couldn't find Patty, because they're big supermarkets, and there were no cell phones. I would whistle, and you know, there's Roland. <laughs> yes, babe? In the early days it was. When it was only one year, it was definitely like that. After 37 years, she's tamed me. I love you, babe. But you know what? I don't know, I don't know if you've heard this, where that mothers, if there's a whole lot of children playing and something happens to one of their kids and they start to cry, a mother knows the sound of their child. Just like that, that's my child. I didn't often hear my children cry because they're too big and they're too tough. <laughs> Oh, Joel, the youngest one, he's big now, but he was a softie when he was younger. All the oaks used to beat up on him, but old Daniel, their father, he was like 
I'm his bodyguard. I'll look after him. But you know what? We need to be able to hear when the Father speaks. So this morning I want to ask you, what do you think Simon means? The name. Hopefully I haven't got a concordance somewhere with you. Simon means to hear, to hear, to hear. So Jesus changed his name from to hear to Peter, and Peter means a stone. To hear and a stone. The, the result of hearing revelation straight from God changes Peter from hearing to a stone. And there's a play on words here because Peter means stone, as I've just said, small stone. Petros. Rock, I will build my church and on, on this rock, I will build my church. That word rock is Petra. And what that word rock means is that it's the, the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. It's a revel, it's a, you can only be a part of the church until, when God reveals himself to you. It's not by chance. You've got to, this is God. This is God. Uh, this can be no one else. Petra. And then it goes on to say in 1 Peter 2.5, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's like a house being put together. We all, uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to build something with all those different shaped rocks. It's not so easy. You need to know what you're doing. And so they'll put this and they'll fill it up with cement and then they'll find one that more or less fits there and they'll fill it up with cement and it looks very nice when it's finished, but it's, it's hard work while you're busy doing it. I believe that the cement is the love of God that holds it all together. And I think this is a crazy promise where, where Jesus says, I will build my church, the church, you and me, I will build my church and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. Yes, there will be times when you feel like it is overcoming us, but the gates of Hades will not overcome us because we are a part of the church of God founded upon the rock, the sure foundation. So the question I asked at the beginning, who do we know? We know Jesus, the Son of God, and He will build His church. He will build His church. Just to back that up, Luke 6 and verses 46 to 49. First verse says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? So they're coming and they're saying, Lord, Lord, but he's saying to them, that what you are saying means nothing to me because you don't do what I've asked you to do. It's no good just talking. You need to put into practice what, what you're talking about. And so it carries on. It says, 
As for everyone who comes to me, so those that hear me and come to me, hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a mountain, a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood comes, the house holds its own, but somebody else comes and builds next to him without a foundation and they build this big, beautiful house. And when the storm comes, at first they can resist a little bit of the storm, but then that house gets taken out. It hasn't got foundations. It's not what you say, Lord, Lord. It's hearing his word and putting them into practice. He says, dig down deep. Isn't it hard to dig down and put foundations in? Instead of just leveling the ground and building the house up, that's pretty easy. They're like those houses in America that they just build them out of timber, out of wood. They just put sides up everywhere. And I can't believe it. They actually live amongst all those hurricanes and tornadoes. And the first thing that hits, they've got their little cement hole under the ground that looks after them, but the rest of it gets wiped out. We cannot build that way. We cannot build that way. We've got to dig down. We have to get to the foundation of Jesus Christ. Because when we hit trials and testing, if we don't have a foundation, we're going to be destroyed. Just felt God say this to me this way, way as well, because there's been a lot of talking about shaking. And so I just said this, when the enemy shakes, it is to destroy. When God shakes, it is for a different purpose. When God shakes, it's for a different purpose. If you go through the word and you look at test, God tests us. It never said he tests us to know what's in our heart. He said he tests us so that we know what's in our heart. Because he knows what's in your heart before he even starts testing you. But he tests you to show you what's in your own heart. Because how often do you uh, respond to stuff with what you know is the wrong attitude? And then you think, oh. He tests us to show us what's in our heart. So how do we live? We put the words of Jesus into action. We dig down. We build on a foundation. We dig down. When we hear our Father saying, okay, go over there and dig down. We go over there and we dig down. We do what He says to us. We dig down onto that sure foundation and we build from there upwards. This morning, there's just a couple of things I want to throw out there, then I'm going to be finished. What does Jesus ask us to do? What are the things? I haven't got them all yet. I've just got a few of them. Because we need to dig down into his word and find what he says so that we can do it. Because you know what? When we dig down, every one of us is going to find something that the other one didn't find. For me, the first thing is, is if you dig down, um, and these are not in any order, is the thing of healing. 
If you're sick, if your friend is sick, if your family is sick, go and find it in the Word of God. Not just do it because Roland says to do it or Donnie or somebody else. No, go dig down, find it. And say, okay, now I'm going to build on this. I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to see them get healed. The next one is prayer. I, I was amazed that Jesus is only found praying three times in the book of Matthew. The, oh, backslider. No, I think just as he walked, he was talking with the Father. I, and he even said, I only do what I see the Father do. He's just all the time he's listening. He's, he's tuning himself in there. And so there were only three occasions where he actually had to, felt he had to pray. The first one was what we spoke about last week. We prayed while they got out on the sea. But pray. There's that guy. What's his name? That stumbled. Oh, Murray. What's his name? Arthur Murray. That's a dancer. Eh? Andrew Murray, that's right. Andrew Murray is writing a story, if you ever read it, on prayer. And he says, I was walking through town one day and I stumbled because just for a second I didn't know what my God wanted me to do. That's how tuned in he was. I think it's getting harder and harder in the world we live today. Ask God to help you that you can be that person that tunes in to what he's saying on a regular basis. Worship. I tell you what, I think I've seen more people worship during this time than I have during normal time. I haven't seen people flapping flags around and jumping and I really, I, I, I just see, I think during this time where we can't sing, we need to use movement to express ourselves. Finances. You know, you can dig down. I can teach you on all day on, on tithing and offering and almsgiving and apostolic giving. I can teach you on all of those. But if you don't do it, you fall into the category of Lord, Lord. And he says, I didn't know you because you didn't do what I told you. As soon as somebody tells you the truth of God, then you become responsible for acting it out. And I honestly want to say that's why I don't often speak on finances. It's not because I'm afraid. I, I, if you guys don't tithe, it doesn't really affect me. It sort of affects me. I've got to check with the bookkeeper over here. Josh Jen pays its elders as a altogether, which takes the pressure off me. But I, I don't want to put people under condemnation in terms of, hey, now I've learned about this. Now I have to do it. But I do want to. I just. I do want to say to you guys, during this period when we asked you guys to give into the pantry fund. You guys have been incredibly gracious and you've given way beyond what you've ever given before. It's been incredible. The, 
we, we've struggled to, to give it out because people don't want it and we've got it. <laughs> right, babe? So please, if we phone you up and ask you, don't be too proud to say, oh, no, I don't. if you need, you need to let us know. You need to let us know. Do you know that hell is one of the most mentioned things in the New Testament? So we need to dig down into heaven and hell and find out what God says about it so that we know. I want to do a series when, hopefully when this gets to an end, uh, on the attributes of God. It's the characteristics of God. God is love. God is vengeance. God is holiness. God is merciful. All those things. God was before time and he's going to be after time. Is everlasting. But we need to dig down and apply God's word in our lives. So this morning, with that in mind, Donnie's going to do breaking of bread. Where's the juice, babe? Okay. If you get your cup out. Okay. All right. So the ladies will go around and they will fill the, the cups. And uh, I really trust that you were encouraged by the message. And first of all, if you hear this morning, Roland said that it's about who we know. My question to you is, do you know Jesus? And you will know if you know Jesus. If you're unsure, then you don't know him. And so this morning, I want to ask all of us, let's close our eyes before we go into a time of communion. And then I just want to give you the opportunity to respond, to get to know Jesus. To get to know the one that we were singing about this morning. Who puts us in a place of freedom. Who saves us. Who heals us. Who sets us free from the bondage of slavery and sin. And if that is you this morning, you've never had an known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't know, don't know Him personally, I want to extend this opportunity for you to respond. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if that is you this morning, I would love to pray with you. And I'd love you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. Is there anybody? Okay, so if you can put that scripture up for me, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 to 17. It says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation, a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break 
a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the loaf. So what does it mean to participate? It means partnership, to participate. It means fellowship. In other words, it's a joining of two or more to become one. And when Jesus Christ entered this world, He came into the world by taking on a physical body. And through His physical body, Jesus demonstrated His love. He demonstrated God's love clearly and tangibly and boldly by doing healings, miracles. He had had authority. He commanded nature. And there was authority. And then ultimately, sacrificially went to the cross for you and for me so that we can be saved. Romans 5 verses 8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So After the resurrection of Christ, the work of Christ did not stop there, but it continued. It continued in those who He redeemed. That is us. That is you and me. The church. And now we demonstrate God's love tangibly and boldly when we take the gospel out to bring healing and restoration to those that are lost through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we do that now. In this way, we make up the church. We function as a body of Christ. And we now become the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 14, says the body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts, and though all these parts are many, They form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greek, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. One spirit works in each and every one of us. In one body of Christ. So this morning, when we partake of the bread and we take the juice, it's a reminder of the death and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us. And so when we do that, we've got to realize that Jesus calls us to be in unity. In Ephesians 4, verses 25, it says the following, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. So there's actively something that we have to do. And this morning, I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit will come and highlight things to you this morning that we need to ask for forgiveness of before we can go into this time of breaking bread and doing this. And I want to ask you, Jesus calls us to be in unity and to participate in His body. And if there's something this morning, you can boldly go before Jesus and ask for forgiveness. Whether it's something that that He shows you, whether it's with your spouse, with your parents, with your children, within somebody in in the body of Christ. If that person is here this morning, Jesus commands you to go and sort it out. If it's not here, you can ask for forgiveness and go and sort it out. And so I want to encourage you with that. 
And so this morning, I want you to take a couple of minutes. And you can go ahead now and take the juice. First, the bread. You can take the bread. And first, take a moment. Let's just take a 30 seconds or a minute. If there's anything that you've got to ask for forgiveness between you and the Lord, just take a moment and make right. Jesus, this morning we come before you. We thank you that you ultimately sacrificed your body, that you broke your body for us on the cross, on the cross, so that we can be saved, set free, set free from our sin. You took everything upon yourself, broken your body, and with that, this morning, as we take this bread, we take that in remembrance for what you've done on the cross for us. then Jesus you shed your blood for us you paid the price and you washed us clean by drinking the juice this morning we thank you for what you have done for washing us clean thank you Jesus Father, this morning we thank you that we could corporately once again do communion together in the presence of one another and we could participate in that which you have done for us. Thank you that we could corporately, as we get together, have the opportunity to make right with you, Jesus to glorify you and to thank you, Father, that you call us to unity, Lord. We pray for that in your precious name. Amen.